when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You are listening to Snowbound. This is George Thomas in Boulder, Colorado. We're on the line with Rosie Brennan, who's checking in from Sweden. Got a race coming up Sunday. Rosie, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, what's it like, the first race of the season? I mean, you're going to be kicking off everything. Does this set the tone or is this more of a, I just want to kind of get back in the rhythm? Uh, it's it's a little bit of both. Um, I have been training in Alaska, so uh, I have been fortunate enough to be on snow for the two weeks prior to showing up here. Um, so a lot of my teammates, this is their first week on snow that came from, you know, New England or Minnesota or wherever. Um so I at least have kind of the initial like tra- transition to snow under me. Um, and we, we are even able to do some harder workouts and some team uh, time trial events up in Anchorage. So it's not even my first hard effort, but it's, there's always a different mindset, even from when you have like a time trial with your teammates to putting on a real bib and having a start list full of um, people from all different countries. Um, it definitely is a, is a different feeling. So um, I kind of look for this weekend is to just get a, a really hard effort in and hopefully gain some confidence in, in my skiing and how I'm feeling on snow. And then what's it like for you to go from different snow conditions from Alaska to Sweden? I mean, there must be a difference. So how do you work with your tech to pick out what wax to use? Um, yeah, so pretty much everywhere we go, there's different snow and even like day to day, the snow changes quite a bit. Um, and these days, a lot of our courses are mostly artificial snow, which is very different than natural snow as well. Um, so we have, we have, let's see, our team has, gosh, I don't even know, maybe six full-time techs that work with us. Um, so I have one tech that's, uh, assigned to me, um, and another athlete. Uh, so yeah, we have two, two athletes per tech basically. Um, and we travel with, I don't know, we probably, everyone on the team probably has somewhere between 20 and 40 pairs of skis that we're traveling with at a given time. Um, and each ski, I mean, half are skate and half are classic. So, um, that kind of divides it up, but, um, each ski is for, is built a little differently and, um, responds differently to different track conditions. Um, so like the day before a race, um, we'll spend, you know, the first 45 minutes going through 
the possible skis with our tech and skiing on them and figuring out what we like best. Um, and then we'll pick, you know, maybe two or three of the best pairs and then test them um, the morning before the race in case the snow has changed overnight. Um, I, so that's kind of how we do that. <laughs> I cannot wait to have a show with you about the logistics of traveling with that many skis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> so I just want to find out more about you. When did you first become interested in Nordic skiing and what other sports did you do as a youngster? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Park City, Utah. Um, and so, I mean, alpine skiing is for sure a way of life there. Um so I started alpine skiing when I was, I don't know, maybe three or four with my family. And that was, I never really got into racing, but it was always something that I did um, more with my family. And then it wasn't until I was in middle school and I didn't want to alpine race and I didn't really have that much other, many other things going on, um, particularly in the winter. And so my mom kept trying to be like, you know, you got to find something to do after school in the winter. And um, she kept pushing me like, you should try Nordic skiing. And, uh, you know, being in middle school, I'm like, ah, <laughs> don't <laughs> listen to your parents. And finally, like I got bored enough and was like, okay, I'll do the Nordic team. Um, and that was in eighth grade. And so I signed up for that. And my first year was just kind of, you know, testing it out. And I kind of realized that I was a very competitive person and endurance sport was more my cup of tea than alpine racing. And, um, so I just kept each year, I just became more and more, uh, into skiing through high school. Um, and then in high school, I ran cross country as well. It was kind of a nice compliment to Nordic skiing. Um, those are the only sports I've been, I've been competitive in. Um, you so. ended up skiing for Dartmouth, didn't you? Yes. So actually, um, when I was uh, my the spring of my senior year of high school, um, I was actually named to the U.S. ski team then, uh, and so that was 2007. Um, and it was kind of a new team. It was like a sort of Continental Cup college type subsect of the U.S. ski team that they were kind of testing out. Um, but I had already been accepted to Dartmouth, and so I decided that that was the path I wanted to pursue. So I headed off to Dartmouth. Um, and I was they I was still a member of the U.S. team, but it was kind of like a different section of it. Uh, and so I continued to race there. And then after two years of being on the national team, then I lost my uh, spot. I wasn't renominated in two, I guess it would have been 2010. Um, and so I still had two years left at Dartmouth. So I stayed there um, and kept followed through with ski racing at Dartmouth. Um, and then uh, when I graduated there, I still had a very strong desire to ski race. Uh, and one of my best friends from when I was younger uh, was racing up at Alaska. And she kind of convinced me that that was like the place to be. So off I went to Alaska. <laughs> I am really impressed that you put your so much emphasis on your college education. I mean, it's got to be a dream of an athlete to make the U.S. team, but then to lose your spot because you were... Uh, focusing on your college skiing and, and your education, what did that feel like? Um, well, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So, um, I mean, Nordic skiing are, 
the kind of peak physiological peak for a Nordic skier isn't until your late twenties or early thirties. So it's definitely a long-term commitment. Um, and at the time when I graduated high school, there weren't a lot of club, there weren't a lot of like real programs available that you could go to and have support. So it was kind of this issue of, um, you know, do I stay living at home and, and hope for my parents support, while I do this, or do I, you know, go to a college program where I get support there, uh, as well as an education, and that just made more sense to me and my family, and um, so off I went to do that, and you know, with the idea that if I'm really going to be good at this, it's going to take a long time, um, and so I, I, I felt very lucky to be at Dartmouth because. They had a very strong Nordic team at the time, so I felt like I was still getting, you know, reasonable training. And of course, you're never going to be able to train as much when you're a full-time student as you would otherwise. Um, but it was, it was a great place for me to kind of grow as a person, which I think has helped my athletics now. Um, and so, it, it was, it was the right choice for me. I don't think it's the right choice for everybody, but. Um, for sure, when I when I wasn't renominated to the team, um, that was a huge blow to my confidence. Um, I felt like I had kind of, you know, lost lost it all and and wasn't on the right path. And then I questioned, like, you know, why did I go to college? Why am I doing it this way? Like, this isn't this isn't my dream. And um, I had had I had suffered a lot of um, injuries and stuff that had kind of led me to like not having great seasons. And I, I actually, in the end, I realized that I was very lucky to have been at Dartmouth when all this was happening, because had I not been there and I, you know, it's still possible that I would have lost my renomination or not been renominated. And then I would have had nothing. And at least I had this great um, support network behind me of great teammates. And I still had a place to race on the NCAA circuit uh, and I was also getting an education. So, you know, what, whatever I decided in the future, I would have options. Um, so eventually I came around and stuck with the NCAA racing and um, graduated from Dartmouth. So. Now, I guess one reason I really enjoy interviews is because I'm incredibly nosy. And what did you study? <laughs> uh, I studied geography, um, more like, I guess, physical geography and so you raced on the NCAA circuit. It had to feel amazing to have the U.S. team contact you again and bring you back. Yeah, um, it was a long path, I guess. Um, it's still so. After, so I raced four years at Dartmouth. Um, then I raced. Let's see, two thousand three, four, three more years uh, up in Alaska before I was nominated this past spring um and so I mean to be perfectly honest I never knew whether I was going to be nominated again or not but it was kind of something always in the back of my head like I I wanted to prove that my path was was right for me and that I could still make it um one way or, or another in the path that I chose um and that was that's definitely always been something in the back of my head but to have that be um to have that come true and be recognized by the coaches definitely was was a good feeling um and I, you know I hope that it can just serve kind of as an example to up and coming racers like one that 
there are lots of paths to get there, but two that if things don't go right the first time, it doesn't mean it's time to call it quits. <laughs> Your determination is impressive. Do you take that into a race? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think it's something that I that I learned about myself at a fairly young age when I was competing, and I and I think that's kind of how I have approached racing since since then. Um, I wouldn't say technique is. Or tactics are always my strong point in a race, um, but my strength is definitely just my um, kind of drive to just go for it and, and see what happens. So. How do you determine your schedule? Do you meet with coaches and plan out a race? Are you assigned a schedule early on? How does that work? Yeah, so, um, you know, any given year... You know, in the past years, uh, I've kind of been between the domestic circuit in the U.S. and the World Cup circuit. So I've gone back and forth, and that's hard to plan for because you never know when you're going to race well and qualify for the World Cup and get to come over or when that's not going to happen. So you always have, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C, um, but kind of some guide guide of, like, how you would like your winter to go. Um, and this year is my first winter that I'll be uh, hopefully all, fully on the world cup, but at the very least primarily on the world cup. And so that's a little easier because the world cup schedule is very well planned out. Uh, the tricky part for the, for the U S team is our girls team is very strong. Um, and so we have, there's seven of us currently over here racing, but we only get five start spots, um, per race. So, so just because you're over here doesn't necessarily mean you get to start the race. Um, so it's always kind of, you know, I can't plan for those things cause it's just whoever is racing fast that week that, or like, you know, what you're, you know, people are, some people are better at sprints and some people are better at distance races or skate or classic. And so there's a lot of variables that go into which races you actually get to do. So it's hard to plan exactly, but you have a rough guideline of how you'd like your winter to go. And how is the qualification set up where it's determined you make the five? Um, there's not really a hard, fast, uh, I guess, criteria for making, for being able to go onto the start line on a given day. Um, it's just the coach's choice and, um, you know, they look at how our trend and our races so far that year, particularly, you know, in the current, like last week or so, um, then what your strengths are traditionally, like whether you're more of a sprinter or, or a distance gear, and then whether you're better in classic or skate. Um, and they just kind of look at those and, and pick. And most of the time, I think our team would agree with their <laughs> picks. It, it's usually not, you know, you know whether you're skiing well or not. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Now, what's the difference between a domestic race and a World Cup? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Oh, it's a world of difference. Uh, I think that's, that's one of the hardest parts. Um, you know, you race on the domestic circuit and then every once in a while you get a chance, you're doing well, you get to go over to the World Cup and you get there and it's just this whole other world and you can't quite figure it out and then you go back to the domestic circuit and it takes a lot of times of going back and forth, um, at least for me, before I really like kind of figured it out and that didn't happen until last season um, and I I like kind of grasped the the World Cup scene, but it's just... It's it's something that's kind of hard to explain. It's something that's more of like an experience, I guess. But when you're racing domestically, you know, the field size is never that big. Or m- maybe the field is really big, but the depth isn't as great. So, you know, I you know, there's like 10 other really fast women racing in the U.S. And I know all of them quite well. I know what they're good at. I know what they're not good at. So when I go to a race, it's and I'm in the middle of a race. It's really easy to be like, well, okay, here I am with you know, that girl, like, I know that I can out sprint her. So I'm just going to stay here and wait for the line to come and like, go for it. And you know, everyone's strength and weaknesses. So racing is more calculated. You get over here and you're just a little fish in a big pond. And, and there's, you know, every, the whole, everyone that enters the race is an extremely good skier. So the depth is really big. And um, you don't know anyone's strengths, you don't even know anybody that you're racing against. And so, um, you know, then it's televised, and there's lots of, you know, it's just like a big, it's a big ordeal. It's like, a you know, a high school football game versus the Super Bowl. It's, it's completely, completely different atmosphere. And so just kind of navigating those things and then learning how to travel well, how to eat well, how to live on the road. Um, you know, all those things just take a, a lot of practice. So I was just going to ask, and I think I already know the answer, <laughs> but what, um, so you don't sit down with a coach and, and study your competition. Um, I mean, you do to some extent, but, um, you know, when we, when I go over and watch world cup races from past years or, you know, like a lot of times I'll, I'll watch the, I'll watch the race from last year to kind of see, get a better feel for the course, how different people skied different sections of the course. And, um, but more we use video to study other people's techniques. So, you know, I'm looking at the top three going, Oh, what are they doing? Like, okay, I think I want to try and mimic that. Um, I guess maybe if I was at the point where I was trying to win a World Cup, then I might be thinking about what other people are good at. Um, but I think that just comes more naturally from just being in the race and experiencing it. You start to learn the people that you're racing against a lot that are kind of at your level and you kind of see what their strengths and weaknesses are. For sure, you pick out quickly like who's good at skate and who's good at classic and just from looking at the results sheet, you know, you start to figure that out and you start to learn different people on the circuit and have some familiar faces and stuff. And, and I think those things just kind of work themselves out, but it's not something we directly like study with our, with our coach per se. I know video is a huge part of Alpine ski racing. Do you use that quite a bit in your training? Um, yes and no. Uh, a lot of, some, for sh- we definitely use video. Um, some athletes use it more so than others. Um, with my coach, we use video more so. Um, 
more so focused on when we're on snow. When we're on roller skis or something, uh, we will use it very minimally. But if we if we get the chance to be on snow in the summer or during the race season, then we'll use a little video. Um, but we definitely look at, at video a lot, like of World Cup footage and stuff, just to get an idea, to get that picture in our head. Like, what are we supposed to be doing? What are these different people doing? How can we how can we do that as well? And um, we probably use video the most when we're at uh, training camps in the summer uh, at our glacier training facility because the, the focus then is just skiing as many K as we can and practicing skiing with the best technique as possible. How much time are you given to inspect a race course? Um, quite a bit. Uh, you know, as the U.S. team, we've traveled all the all the way across the Atlantic, so. Um, we kind of settle in here for the winter. Um, I There's a good chance I won't be going home until the season's over in March. Um, and so we travel, basically every Monday we travel to the next venue. Um, so w- we arrive on Monday and the races are Saturday, Sunday. So we have essentially the whole week to, you know, check out the different courses Um, sometimes there's not great snow and so they haven't like rolled out all the snow or we don't exactly know what the course is going to be. They might change it or something, but you at least get a feel for the venue and get to practice some of the more tricky sections. So that's not usually too much of an issue for the U S team since we're, since we're planted here. (laughs) Now you mentioned this a little bit earlier. I've been dying to ask, (laughs) how do you adapt to the different foods and and just the change in uh, motel. I mean, you really don't ever have a sense of home. Yes, I'm definitely uh, have a sense of homelessness <laughs> pretty much year <laughs> round, um, which sometimes is fun and and sometimes is definitely challenging. Um, I I for sure get homesick when I'm over here from time to time, and you know some places are definitely better than other places. Uh, and it is, it is challenging to deal with the, the differences in food. Um, some places have really, we go and, you know, we have great quality food and other places it's just food that you just don't like very much. And, and so, you know, that's something, you know, we have a, a team nutritionist that will work on different strategies for making sure we're getting the right fuel and, and all that kind of thing. But that's, I think that's just one of the things that come with practice is, of being an athlete and being over here. Um, that's, I guess one of the good parts about being over here for five months is you have a long time to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, some places we go, we have like very traditional hotel style, um, situation and we eat like the buffet at the hotel. And sometimes we have more like apartments or cabins or things where, we might have a little kitchen where we can cook a little bit for ourselves or, um, and sometimes it's more of like a sit down meal if we're in like a more bed and breakfast type place. So it varies a little bit place to place, but, um, generally it's, you're kind of at the, at the mercy of who's ever cooking. (laughs) Now, how do you fuel during a race? Uh, most of our races are under an hour. So fueling's not a big issue. Um, we do the longest race uh, women do on the World Cup anyway is 30 kilometers. And that will take, um, you know, an hour and a half up to two hours, depending on the conditions. But so during those races, we might we for sure to have like a sports drink feed. 
Um, and some people will do like a, a goo or something of that sort during those races. But in our, in our regular races, um, you, you know, 10 Ks, 15 Ks, that sort of thing, we don't take anything on. So if this is too personal, you can just tell me it's too personal and you don't want to answer. But how, what's your routine before a race? What do you have to do to prepare? And what do you eat uh, immediately before your competition? Um, I mean, so I guess on a typical day, I, I like to eat like my meal three hours before I start to make sure I have enough time to digest it. And then, you know, maybe one to two hours before I'll have like a little, like a granola bar or something a little more, um, just to make sure I'm like my glycogen stores are topped off. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I like to start warming up about an hour before, um, and I s start with just, you know, 10 minutes of just easy skiing. Um, and then I'll go meet my ski tech and we'll test skis. Um, and you know, for classic skiing, it's testing the pairs of skis and then also getting the kick wax dialed in, um, to make sure we have the right kick and glide. Um, and so I'll go through that and then I'll proceed with my warm up, which usually involves doing something, uh, a little harder, um, and doing some faster sections, maybe go over sections of the course that I'm a little nervous about, um, or, you know, try and make sure I ski the whole loop to make sure, see what's out there, if there's any hazards or anything. Um, and then, and then I change my clothes and put my race suit on and get to the start. Now, just curious, is the wax, is it different for each person or does your tech really determine by talking with all of you, you know, what uh, combination he should put together or is it very individual? Uh, well, our, our uh, wax team definitely works together as, as a U.S. team. Uh, we have a, a head tech that kind of directs like their, their testing. So they'll test the glide and the kick and they go through all those things in the structure and, um, and so they'll kind of work together as a team for that. But then it's individual in the sense of, well, you're picking your pair of skis. So you're picking the, you know, the flex of your skis, the grind that's on the base of the skis. Um, and then, you know, they'll start with maybe what they've determined is the best kick wax for, for the day. And then, you know, depending on your pair of skis or your preference, maybe you need a little less, maybe you need a little more. Um, and then your, your tech will work with you personally, um, to adjust those things accordingly to make sure it's, is, you know, what ideal for you. I just love the science behind this sport. I think it's so interesting. <laughs> now, uh, normally throughout this season, as we follow you, I want to do a, a pre-race show and a post-race show, and we will get in the post-race. Logistically, you're on the phone right now. <laughs> so let's talk about Sunday's race, if you don't mind. How is that course, and, and what do you like about it? What do you dislike? Um, the course is, is very good and we have, uh, we have had a lot of natural snow and it, it's supposed to get fairly cold this weekend. So that makes for pretty stable conditions, um, which I like. Um, I, I guess the cold's not my most favorite thing cause it's not always that pleasant, but I seem to race well in the cold. So it's something I'm okay with. Um, and the course is, it's, I guess it's pretty standard for a cross country course. There's nothing wild about it. It's, um, undulating up and down. The first section is kind of more up and down. The second section is a little more, uh, flatter 
train where you have to carry speed and stuff. And, um, my, me personally, I, I, my strengths are like really long working sections. Um, so this definitely has some of those. So I like, I like that. And, um, my weaknesses are downhill sections. So, um, this week I've been, you know, skiing all the downhills and making sure I feel comfortable on all the corners. And today I, I did some, uh, harder skiing along the course to kind of work on carrying speed off of the downhills, um, onto the next section. Uh, so that's kind of, I guess, how, how I feel about the course here. So Rosie, I have to ask, you put in so much work here. Um, huge competition. Is this actually fun for you? (laughs) Yeah. Um, for me, my favorite thing pretty much always is going hard. (laughs) Um, I love training that's hard. And so I like racing that's hard. (laughs) Um, so the fun part, the fun part for me is actually the race itself. Um, definitely I like for sure get stressed and nervous (laughs) leading up to the races, but once the race starts, that's, that's what's fun for me. (laughs) And does good competition bring out the best in you? I know there's some people who really would prefer to feel like the strongest every time they get out there. Uh, I think it varies a little bit. I, I think, you know, getting beat down every time it gets a little exhausting, but I definitely, um, like to be challenged and and try to, you know, rise to the occasion as best I can. So a little mix is good, I think. Well, I wish you all the best in Sunday's event and any idea where we can follow that? Uh, that's a good question. This is not a world cup, so I'm not sure it's going to be televised, but um, they'll for sure post the results at uh, fiski.com, which is the International Ski Federation website, um, at, at, the, at the very least the next day, if not the day of the race. Rosie, I wish you all the best, and I look forward to catching up with you on Monday. Great, thanks. Snowbound, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas, visiting with Rosie Brennan. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.